Hello and welcome to Talking Lean with Tim McMahon and Jeff Hajek. You can find this podcast at either gottagolean.com or aleanjourney.com. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, happy to be here uh, today to present our second uh, podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Jeff uh, Hajek from uh, velaction.com. And we're going to be talking, uh, myself, uh, Tim McMahon from uh, leanjourney.com. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some of our topics that we've highlighted in the last uh, couple of weeks. And again, this is our second uh, journey down this uh, introduction to the podcast. So uh, if you have any feedback, and uh, please uh, let us know. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about our uh, quote. Uh, it's a popular series on a lean journey. And uh, today it's a little bit about um, leadership and how you create uh, customers. So a famous quote from Peter Drucker is, the purpose of a business is to create and keep customers. And this quote goes on to talk about a lot of um, methods in which you can do that. But the one I think that's most important is what I call empathy. Empathy is really that um, ability to be in someone else's shoes, and I think that presents a unique opportunity to understand where the customer comes from. Hmm. You know, was, my first thought was, is it okay to disagree with Peter Drucker? <laughs> and I think the purpose of a business isn't so much creating customers, it is making profit. And you know, I think the uh, the effort of gathering customers is definitely creates the process, but isn't it that a method rather than a purpose? Yeah, I think you got a good point. I mean, the, you're looking at the results instead of the means to get there. And I think uh, what he's trying to highlight here is the fact that if you can put yourself in the customer's shoes, you can understand the voice of the customer, what what they see as value. Um, and certainly I think this goes on to the leadership portion of the business as well. And if that you want to be somebody who transforms your business, you kind of have to have that uh, trait of empathy within yourself because you have to be able to put yourself in your employees' uh, footsteps as well as uh, those of your customers so you can bring the most value uh, to the business. Yeah, I agree. That, you know, you can't give up your humanity when you're in business. And, you know, I always hear that, oh, it's only business. To me, it's not. You know, it's part of your life. Everything's connected. And the way you deal with people, customers, and everything, it's the way you're going to live your life. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, this is something that um, you know we'll talk more about uh, in the future. And certainly as things uh, progress, um, you'll be able to hear uh, more about that as we talk. So the, today we're going to also talk about some uh, workstation uh, design. And one of the terms that uh, Jeff publishes regularly in his uh, – um, a glossary of terms that he publishes online, and you can download those. So today we're going to talk about uh, workstation design. Well, you know, it, it's nice because it dovetails right into this whole empathy thing. And, you know, part of it, when you design a workstation really well, it's definitely focused on the process. But you also have to put the ergonomics and consideration of the, the team members into it. So I th think of, of empathy as creating a situation where people don't make mistakes, you don't set them up for failure and create that conflict. So what are the important uh, aspects of uh, workstation design? Well, from the, from the individual standpoint, you want it to be supporting the process. So materials in the order that you're using them, 
tools easy to grasp and put to use without a little, um, you know, the twirl. You know, you ever see people take stuff out of shadow boards. They never grab it oriented for use. They have another little extra step in there. And even though these steps are small, they add up over time. So I like to see the station designed with the people in mind. Adjustable heights are great. You can put little electric or hydraulic lifts or even, you know, make uh, sliding legs that you can adjust in five minutes. But the idea is make the, the workstation work for the person. And, of course, you also want to make it work for the team, you know, for the process. And and you can do that by reducing inventory, helps you make smaller workstations. You design work surfaces to match the process Instead of buying these off-the-shelf, you know, six- or eight-foot-long workbenches, you design them out of beeline or freeform. So, again, like you said, on the term, there's a lot more points. But the key is don't just throw a workstation out there. You design it specifically. And uh, make sure you have wheels on the workstation so you can move them. You know, we, we both promote Kaizen activity extensively. And if you make workstations mobile, you know, don't attach it with you know, the vines or the roots, you know, you don't have uh, fixed power lines coming in and you don't have uh, the bolted to the floor. But those kind of things you do to make a really good, effective workstation. So I can imagine that uh, 5S and visual controls would be uh, useful techniques in trying to design a workstation. Oh, absolutely. You know, you want to make it easy to use and you want to make it so that, you know, I, I th- over the years, we've talked about a lot of things, and one of the things we talk about is, you know, cross-training and making your teams flexible, reducing boredom, things like that. And you can't do that if you have a workstation that's hard to use and hard to figure out how to use it. So absolutely, visual management's great with it. But with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on and let you take over for a second. And you really had a, an interesting article on, uh, you know, the right order of Muda and Mura and Muri. So why don't you talk about that a minute? Sure. I think to just uh, lead in, uh, perhaps we should define some of these concepts. I know you've uh, tackled that on your uh, glossary as well. Um, Muda is the uh, waste within a factory. We commonly uh, think of lean as just Muda, but we do know that it's important that there are other M's uh, within the definition of uh, waste. So uh, Mura is the... uh, unevenness within a factory and then Murray is the overburden and I think it's important to realize there is a proper order in which you want to try to attack these and most companies I see start uh, in the reverse order so the correct order would be to start with Mura where you look at the evenness of your factory and you try to create that steady flow then you would look at the Muri, which is the overburden, so that you have not too much uh, taxing on your employees and your uh, factory or your process. And then lastly, you can uncover the waste. Uh, that's the uh, the hidden factory kind of thing uh, that you might uh, experience. It's interesting. I never really looked at it as a sequential series. So what gave you that idea? Well, I think far too often people just – equate lean with waste and uh, we know that really lean is about bringing value and that you know these are techniques in order to try to make things visual right lean is about trying to see all the hidden things that you might experience uh, within your factory or your process or your your customer service Uh, so I think if you look at the steady flow that's always the one that's most difficult and probably the one that uh, highlights the most issues because 
you'll cover things up with inventory or long cycle time. So trying to create that steady flow in your in your uh, process uh, makes it easier to find the other uh, waste within your um, process. It's interesting. You know, you're talking about the flow of going through those things, and that, that ties into my poll question, my most recent one. You know, one of the other things I've been doing is asking a question to get some feedback from the lean community. And, and the question was, how long does it take to become lean? And, you know, like what you're saying is really the same thing. You know, you have to go through level year of demand and then create that level of reasonableness and then eliminate the waste. And really, when you've gotten to that, you've created leanness. And, you know, there's a lot of tools that go into doing what you want. But how, how would you answer that question? How long would it take a company to become a lean company? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question that you posed in the poll. And uh, I think you never stop learning, and uh, that's not really what you're asking. I mean, you obviously are constantly learning and trying to better yourself. But where do you consider yourself kind of, uh, I guess, practitioners, Aline? You know, you start down this journey Mm -hmm. and uh, you gain knowledge, you make improvements. At what point do you consider yourself, you know, somebody who can demonstrate, you know, some lean techniques? Well, let me, and, let me interject, and, and I'll say the reason I'm asking this is not so much for the lean companies out there. You know, when a, when a new person, you know, one of the things I think of that we both do a lot of is we're advocates of lean. You know, we push it, we promote it, and it's hard to promote something when you don't have the ability to give a person an understanding of what they're getting into. So my purpose of asking the question was really to have the people who've done it give some information to people who are going to do it. Yeah, I think on the surface it seems really easy. I mean, a lot of the companies I visit them and part of, I mean, they're on a 10-year journey, really. I mean, after, you know... You go through phases, right? Your initial mm-hmm. progress might be fast, and then you get plateaus. And I think, to be honest, to really say you've you know done something with lean, you have to surpass at least one plateau, um, because that's that's really where it gets difficult. That's really where you understand where whether it's embedded in the company culture and the leadership. And uh, I think in order to really do that, you have to be close to the 10-year mark uh, to, to be able to say that. I know in my personal experience, it took five years just to sustain 5S. And it's something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's relatively simple. Uh, but, you know, to be able to create that habit where you can go in and it's always in the same place, that, that took multiple years of sustained effort. Yeah, I think it never is always is, – it never is completely done. You know, there's always this level of progress. So when I asked the question, there's two categories of answers I got. And one is people who just clicked on the on the multiple choice. And, you know, the biggest answer is, like you're saying, over five years. And I don't know if that means 20 years is what people are thinking or six or 10. But most people think it's a longer journey than just something that you do within the tenure of a single CEO. So you got to change that. But there's a lot of people who are surprisingly reluctant to put a number on it, or they say it can't be measured. And I've had this long ongoing debate about this whole concept of we promote in the lean community, you can measure anything. So we tell engineers, you can measure the creative process. We tell marketers, you can measure, you know, the responses of customers and all those things. But then we say we have a hard time measuring when a company becomes lean. I see a disconnect there. 
Yeah, I would agree. It is a very difficult item to measure because you can look at results and equate that to lean improvements, you know, whether it's uh, revenue growth or bottom line uh, cost reductions or, you know, I guess margin return on investment, right? Mm-hmm. And those are kind of easy to measure and you see that in the balance sheet and it's reported. Um, but I think the t- intangible aspect is, you know, people's buy-in, the leadership of the company. And that, would if a CEO left, would it sustain those gains? And I think that's the real measure of a lean company. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'll put a link to a long discussion that the communities had on one of the LinkedIn forums. So I'll add that at the bottom of the the page where this podcast is posted. But it's probably time to move on to your tip of the week. Yeah, another popular series. So today's lean tip is about challenging your employees to move out of their comfort zone. And I think uh, this kind of dovetails into some of the questions and the empathy portion. But ultimately, um, you know, if you aren't growing, uh, then you're not improving. And if you're not growing, uh, then you're not getting out of your comfort zone. You really need to, as a leader, challenge people with uh, tasks, assignments, projects to get them outside of what they know, the status quo. And really challenge them to learn and create an environment where mistakes are okay and to coach them along the way. That takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it's something that you have to go into knowing that it's a process. You have to allow people to have a goal, allow them to make uh, attempts to meet it. If they make mistakes, say that's okay. Uh, coach them to make, uh, you know, the plan, do, check, act is always that cycle. So you work on the next improvement and, and you have to know that that's the process in which people learn and that's how they're going to develop. Yeah, you, you mentioned something that I think is really the key. I think a lot of leaders put this type of thing on their employees. And, and the reality is most leaders have a harder time allowing, you know, their team members to take things on and, and fail at something. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll kick it over to you with that. Like, what, what do you think about that with the, the idea of how do you get a leader to be able to give a little bit more leeway to a person when they know there's likely to be a mistake? Yeah, I think you have to, uh, as a leader, you obviously take ultimate responsibility for your team members. So you have to have the confidence in your uh, employees. But I think that goes back to coaching and educating them allowing you to create boundaries in which the failure can be contained and so it's not catastrophic. Um, And I think if you're working one-on-one with the employee, uh, you're having the frequent dialogues, you know about things that are occurring before they get to that stage in which they're so uh, disastrous you can't recover. And I think that's part of that ongoing coaching. You know, you create those boundaries, those examples where you can try things out in a small forum and, and prove that it works and that's really what the Kaizen continuous improvement and the plan, do, check, act that we talk about all the time. That's that whole cycle, and that's the learning cycle, uh, for lack of a better term. Okay. And speaking of that cycle, it has to start somewhere. And so sometimes I have a little bit of reach for these segues between, you know, these are all a series of disconnected articles. And we try and pick ones that go together a little bit. But, you know, the idea is this is a current events type of podcast. So... The, the last item on our agenda for this week is about selling lean to your team. So, you know, to be able to challenge employees down the road, you have to start somewhere. And when you get going, you know, most people don't like thinking about this, but lean is 
it requires a sales pitch. You know, if you're going to go through and tell your employees we're changing the way we do things, they got to understand like what's in it for them. So, you have any thoughts about how to how to promote lean to your team if you're brand new? I think the easiest thing to do is the the what's in it for me. I think what I would personally start with is making their job easier. I think if they can see that uh, the day-to-day activities, the things that they have to do or perform become easier, it's a lot more uh, uh, easier to accept the change. People want to be informed. They want to be involved in the change. So I think if you do that and you make their job easier, uh, that's a huge step in the right direction to uh, transforming somebody. That's a big part of what I said in, in the article is, you know, when you pitch it, there's a whole series of things. One is you want to be honest. You know, if you're a leader who's changing it, you're probably profit motivated. So you don't want to pitch it that you're doing something just for the team if you're not. But you want certainly to include like what you're talking about. You want to say, here's how your job is going to get better. But you have to prove it. You have to kind of show them. So you ask for a little leeway. You go in and do a quick project to show how things are getting better. And you may not do exactly what you want as a leader, but you're creating an opportunity to point to value for the team members. And the more you get people bought into it and and they see what they're getting out of it, you know, it's less of a sales pitch and you start getting more of a draw. You get a a pull for more uh, problem reduction. Yeah, I think lean is something that doesn't sell itself in the beginning because there's so much – it's hard to see. You can't go to a company and just copy uh, the culture. Uh, you can copy the tools on the wall and that kind of thing. But um, but it is something that after you've experienced it, does sell itself. Um, so mm-hmm. I think uh, you have to just get in there and do it. Yep. Well, that's the last item on our agenda. And all of these things you can find on our websites and wherever you download this podcast, whether from a leanjourney.com all one word. Again, that's aleanjourney.com. That's where Tim posts it. And mine is at gotta go lean. That's all one word.com. And at either location, you can see where these podcasts are. And we'll, we'll put the list of the links for the articles below them so you can track down any of these topics in more detail. Um, so hope you're enjoying this new feature that we're doing and we're having fun doing it. So, Uh, Anything to add, Tim? No, hopefully if you enjoy this, give us some feedback. If you see some opportunities that we can make this uh, more enjoyable, more informative, uh, please let us know. Okay, with that, we'll wrap up Episode 2 of Talking Lean with Tim and Jeff. We hope you enjoyed it and have a great week.